So I know Halloween was last weekend, but I want to start the sermon off with a picture. It's quite like a, quite a picture to like transition from this like soft worship moment to that guy. Who is that anyways? Not Brett, because <laughs> I'm looking at Brett. But who is that? Who, anyone know who that is? Ooh, Alice Cooper. Good job. You guys get the extra points. So you might recall the songs, School's Out for the Summer. Oh, I heard some, like, I got some amens. Mm, come on. Or uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Or my personal favorite, Feed My Frankenstein. This weekend, uh, I watched a video where Alice Cooper was actually being interviewed by a pastor, uh, Pastor Greg Laurie. And um, this is kind of the interaction that they had. And... Pastor Greg Laurie said this. He asked him a couple, two questions. He said, who is Jesus to you? And this, is, this, was, this interview happened in August. And this is what Alice Cooper said. It might shock you. Who is Jesus to you? Alice Cooper said, he's everything. We are not here without him. Most young people I know think Jesus Christ is a swear word. They have no idea who Jesus Christ is. He's not preached about enough. Most written about person of all time in history and yet people go out of their way to not believe in him. Greg asked him, why do you think that is? I think it's because people don't want to give up their godship. They want to believe they are a good enough person. I do more good than bad. And boy, Satan has got you right where he wants you to believe that good works outweigh the bad. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Those were the truest words ever spoken. How can you deny that? And the last thing he said was, so as far as I'm concerned, my life is based on that. Not a quote you would expect from Alice Cooper. But recently in his life, over the last 15 years, he's actually committed his life to Christ and been ministering to people in the rock and roll world. And the truest words that he thinks are the truest words ever spoken, that's where we're going to head tonight. And so we're going to look at John chapter 14 as we continue on in our I am statements and talk about one of the I am statements that's probably the most well-known. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, starting at verse 1, says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about in John chapter 10, where Jesus talked about being the gate. And in that sermon, the message was all about how do we have actually have access to God? Like, how do we have access into God? And Jesus says, I'm the gate. In order to have access to God, you have to go through me, Jesus was saying. So in order for us to have access to God, we have to go through Jesus. And this message in John 14 is in the very similar vein. Jesus was saying, in order for you to get access into the Father's house, 
In order for you to have a relationship with the Father, you have to go through who? Through Jesus, through me, he's saying. saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In order for you to have access to God, you have to go through Jesus. And so John chapter 14 is all about having access to God, having a relationship with God, having access to the Father. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. As a pastor, I often hear as I'm having conversations with people, and something you'll know about me, I loved talking, about, talking to people that have yet to maybe make a decision to accept Jesus. It's one of the reasons why I love playing hockey um, and being in spaces where people maybe aren't churched or are new to Jesus or uh, whatever. I just love telling people about Jesus. It's like my favorite thing to do, literally. Um, and one of the things that often comes up when I have conversations with people about Jesus is there's usually two things that come up when I bring up the God conversation. Or oftentimes, I don't even have to bring it up. They know I'm a pastor, and they, they kind of start talking about God themselves because they want to have conversation about it. And almost always, you know what the first two things that come up when I have conversation? The first thing is, I believe in God. And the second thing is, guess what? I'm a good person. Almost every single time I have a conversation with someone, those are the two things that come up. I believe in God, and I am a good person. And maybe you're someone in that, the room tonight that that's you. That's where you're at right now, and that's okay if you're in that spot. I'm really glad you're here. But I want to kind of step on the toes of that statement a little bit here tonight. And I do that because I love you, and believing you're in a good person and just merely believing God actually isn't enough according to the Bible and according to what Jesus said here in John chapter 14. Let me just kind of explain myself a little bit. Like, people think that being a good person is what gets you to heaven. Right? And the Bible actually speaks against that. There's, th we can't do enough good to get us into heaven, unfortunately. So being a good person actually isn't what gets us access to God now, and it doesn't get us access into heaven when we die. Being a good person actually isn't what the Bible teaches about getting to heaven or having a relationship with God. And furthermore, just believing in God also doesn't get us access to God, or it also doesn't get us access into heaven one day. The Bible is really clear. The Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. So merely believing in God is not enough according to the Bible and according to Jesus. And so that leaves a lot of us in a spot where we're like, well, I thought I was good, <laughs> like, right? I believed in God, and I thought I did, like, half decent in life being a good person. So, Jay, what do I do? Like, that's where I'm at right now. And I'm here to tell you tonight that, like, I'm hoping that tonight's message will make it crystal clear, one, that being a good person and believing in God is simply not enough. It will never be enough, a matter of fact. And I'm hoping that tonight that some lights go on that realize, oh my goodness, I was missing like the main piece of actually having a relationship with God. That is my hope that the Lord would do that tonight and kind of set some light bulb up. And maybe tonight it's your time to actually stop believing that your good works get you to heaven. And tonight for the very first time you're saying, I'm actually going to trust in Jesus because that's really what Jesus actually was pointing to here in John chapter 14. He was pointing to who? 
himself. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. It's Jesus. People, you know, people believe in God, but the truth is Jesus has yet to set them free. See, people think that living a certain way gets you access to God. Or just merely believing the truth that God exists is enough, but it's not enough. See, people believe in God, but yet they haven't listened to God's truth that, God's, that tells them to turn from their selfish bent and turn to Jesus. People believe in God, but have yet to come to the point where they surrender their lives fully to Jesus. Believing the truth that God exists is simply not enough. And what I find interesting is that believing that God exists and believing that being a good person will get us like a relationship with God or into heaven, that's our own attempt to try to be the people that God has called us to be. Because we know that God wants us to like live a good life, like a right life, to make right decisions and not be mean and and, and, you know, not murder people and not, you know, we know that, like, instinctively that God doesn't want us to live that way. And so we try as humans in our own effort and attempt to be a good person, but we quickly find time and time again that we fall short. And we can't be good in and of ourselves. And that's part of the problem. It's our own effort to try to get to God, and that never works. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. It's interesting because if you look at the church over the last 250 years, there's kind of like a divide in the church. There's, there's a, a, a section of the church that believe that, you know, doing the right thing, like following Jesus' way was the way to go. And so helping the poor and the marginalized and looking at Jesus' life and how he lived, and that's kind of... That's kind of what we do. We don't care as much about what the Bible says, but we care about actually doing the right action. And so they cut off the gospel and just kind of focused on doing the right thing. And you actually can't have the Jesus life without the Jesus truth. They're trying to live the Jesus way without the truth, and that doesn't lead to the Jesus life. And then there's like evangelicals, people that tended to really hammer on the good news about Jesus and preaching the truth and making sure that, but they haven't really focused on the poor or the marginalized or immigrants or people that are in need or they don't really have a heart that's moved with compassion that James talks about that faith without action is dead. And so we have this division between like people that love the Jesus truth but aren't walking in the Jesus way or people that are walking in the Jesus way, kind of, but not really, and, 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 and don't embrace the Jesus truth. They have this like kind of book of second opinions. They get to pick and choose what they want from the Bible. If the, the Bible says something that goes against what they think or feel, they reject it. That's happening so much in our culture today. The, the problem is, like, we don't get to pick what the Bible says. God is actually God. He is all authority in the universe. And he defines what truth is. And so, and so we have this struggle. We have this struggle of, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if we're going to experience the Jesus life that he talked about, we actually need the Jesus truth, and we need the Jesus way. We need 
all that. Because salvation is actually a package deal. And I think some of us, and this is kind of what hits me the most tonight, some of us in this room, and maybe a lot of us, are actually missing out on the life that Jesus wants to give us right here, right now. And that bothers me. And it doesn't bother me in a way that, like, I'm mad at you. I just, I want every single person I meet to experience every single blessing that God has for them. And the way in which all of us in this room do that is actually to believe in the Jesus truth that enables us to follow the Jesus way so we can experience the life that God has for us here and now and experience an amazing heaven in eternity for the rest of our days. Doesn't that sound really good? And it sounds like, man, like, what are you selling us here? This sounds like sketchy, too good to be true. Guess what? It's not. Like, this is literally the life that Jesus offers to everyone. But sometimes we get the cart before the horse, and, and, and we, we either kind of want to just kind of do the thing that the church has done from time to time and separate these two, but you have to have the whole deal. And so I want to talk about how Jesus, first and foremost, is the way. Jesus is the way. You know, the way speaks of a journey. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus was going to prepare a place for his disciples. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if we want the Jesus life, we have to follow the Jesus way. And Jesus spent most of his life actually modeling the way for people. And if you read through the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spent so much of his time talking about his teachings. And in particular, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was actually teaching people how to follow him. But one thing you'll quickly find as you read through the Sermon on the Mount is when you attempt to do things like trying to love your enemy or not look at someone with lust or turn in the other cheek, it's really difficult to do, right? Right? Like, how y'all doing with loving your enemies? Oh, man, come on. Right? I heard all kinds of reactions on that one. I heard some, hmm, some laughs, some, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, how's that going for you? Or how's it going with, like, not lusting? Or how's it going with turning the other cheek when someone does something bad to you? Like, how many of us want to react in revenge? Right? Yeah, let's be honest, right? So this, here's what we find. As you read over the Sermon on the Mount and all the things that Jesus instructed his followers to do, we quickly find out not only is it difficult to do, but in and of ourselves, it's actually impossible to do. And actually, that's one of the points of the Sermon on the Mount, was to help people realize they actually couldn't follow the Jesus way in and of themselves. Like, Jesus talked about, you know, not, you know, hating your brother or hating someone. He just talked about not lusting after someone. And it kind of like, instead of taking the law for what it was, he actually took it to the extreme to bring people to the conclusion they actually couldn't fulfill the way in and of their own strength. But just think about this for a second. What if we actually could live the Jesus way? Like, what if we could love our enemies? What if we could turn the other cheek? What if we had the ability to not dislike people and not lust? What if we could really be peacemakers and be humble and be merciful and actually be pure in heart? What if we could be salt and light? What if we could do what we said we would do and be in walk in integrity? 
What if we could give without wanting to be acknowledged or seen? What if we could store up treasure in heaven instead of treasure here on earth? What if we could just stop worrying about tomorrow? What if we could stop judging other people? And what if we built our entire lives to reflect the teachings I just talked about? Because that's a Sermon on the Mount. Everything I just mentioned is exactly what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Just stop and think about that. Like, just stop and think about this for a second. What if our lives actually reflected that? We didn't judge anyone. We didn't lust after anyone. We didn't hate anyone. We were able to turn the other cheek. We were able to bless other people. What if we could actually have a pure heart? What if we could be peacemakers? What if we could be merciful? What if we could give and not care who gets the credit and not care if we get seen or not? What if we could live like that? Doesn't that sound good? Yes, oh my goodness. Like, if you read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and you look at, you think about living a lifestyle like that, it sounds amazing because it is. And Jesus actually wants us to live that way. That is the Jesus way. And I think all of us deep down, we desire to live that way. There's no life actually that compares to it. And when you live that way, your life is incredibly blessed. It's amazing. So are you living the Jesus way? Does our lives reflect the teachings of Jesus? And for a lot of us in this room, the answer is no. It sounds really awesome. And it'd be so blessed to be able to live a lifestyle like that. But I don't live the Jesus way. And here's why. You can't live the Jesus way without the Jesus truth. You can't live the Jesus way without the Jesus truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And Jesus brings us to this cold reality. We can't be good in and of ourselves. And some of us, even when we hear that, we're like, hold on a second. I got some good in me. Right? That's our reaction is we, we think, we, but as we read the Bible, we realize that we're actually all broken. We all have this thing called sin, and, and it's kind of rocked us to our core motivations. And we all have this selfish bent, and we're slave to what the Bible teaches, and we can't be freed from it. And it's one of the reasons why Jesus took things to the extreme, because he was dealing with people that thought they were good. The religious Jewish people thought they were good. And so Jesus had to take things to the extreme to help them realize no, you got a problem. You actually can't live my way without me. Right? That's why Jesus said, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Any y'all been angry lately? Mm-hmm. Again, anyone says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court, and anyone says, you fool, we in danger of the fire of hell. You call anyone like, uh, who is that, Mr. T? Fool? Have you called anyone a fool lately? Jesus took things to the extreme. This one here gets me. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Jesus took things to the extreme to help us realize none of us, none of us, none of us can live the Jesus way without the truth of Jesus. We cannot live the Jesus way without the Jesus truth. And because you can't live the Jesus way, you actually can't experience the life that Jesus wants to give you. And so we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. A lot of us struggle with the truth of Jesus. Canadian culture struggles with the truth of Jesus. We live in a very inclusive culture that has left a lot of us asking the same question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus. What is truth anyways in 2021? Because truth has become a thing that's whatever you think and feel it is to be true. Right? We ask the same question that Pontius Pilate asked. What is truth in 2021? What is it? Jesus says, I'm the truth. I'm reality. I am the truth. And Jesus said a statement that flies in the face of Canadian culture in 2021. Jesus said a very exclusive statement about himself. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible also says, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So we're graciously unapologetic here at Coastal. There is no other way to access God except through Jesus. And the moment you start saying exclusive statements like that, that doesn't include everything, People start to get their back up, and they start resisting, and that's what happens when the truth is preached. But what people don't realize is the truth of Jesus is actually the pathway to freedom. Just think of Jesus' words here for a second. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of Jesus, the Jesus truth, actually sets us free. So the, the Jesus truth confronts this reality that he, Jesus doesn't, doesn't mind confronting us and saying, being a good person is not going to get you to heaven. Or just merely believing in God isn't going to give you access to him. Jesus said in, in the very beginning of this passage of scripture, Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in what? In me, in Jesus. It's believing the truth of Jesus that gives us access into the Father's house. You know, the Holy Spirit is here tonight, and I love the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing that if you're brand new to church, you might have just sensed something when you walked in the room. And you might be sensing something right now that's stirring in your heart or your mind. You may be just sensing something, and in all likelihood, that's the Holy Spirit who's here. And when we pray, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to move. And the Holy Spirit does a bunch of different things. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit, the stuff that I'm telling you about Jesus right now, the Holy Spirit has this way of confirming in your heart that it's actually true. That this story about Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who did all these miracles, signs, and wonders, this Jesus who suffered under the hand of Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, this Jesus who on the third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit in the church. This Jesus who still reigns at the right hand of God and will forevermore. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of confirming and convincing you in your heart and mind that that's actually true. 
that it's not just a pipe dream, that it's not just a nice story. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of convincing your heart and giving you conviction that what this man is saying is actually true. That takes a whole lot of pressure off me. And not only does the Holy Spirit do that, and he's doing that right now in this room, the Holy Spirit has this incredible way of convincing us that we're broken. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of showing us that we have this bent towards selfishness and that we actually need to be fixed and healed and restored. That we have admirations of wanting to be good people, but we're not good people, and we need to be fixed. The Holy Spirit has this incredible way of, of revealing that stuff to us and convincing us that we actually are powerless to manage and run our own lives because we're broken, we're defected, and we need to return to the, ma to the maker and the manufacturer. Believing in Jesus means that we believe in the whole truth. I think a lot of us want the Jesus as Savior where Jesus comes and heals us and restores us, and Jesus does that, and it's amazing. But we really struggle with Jesus as Lord because Jesus wants to heal you, but he also wants your soul. Jesus wants to forgive you and bring restoration in your life, but he also wants all of you, and he wants you to follow him. And why does he want you to follow him? Now, some of us kind of get a little sketchy when we hear that because that word surrender and submit and giving up, like, that's not very appealing. But I think you're missing it when you think that. Jesus, you know why Jesus wants you to surrender and submit your control of your life to him? He wants you to do that so you can follow the Jesus way. You track it? And what happens when you follow the Jesus way? You get the Jesus life. The reason God wants you to submit and surrender your life to him is why? Because he wants to bless you. Because he loves you. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the call to like surrender their life to Jesus, like they freeze up like a Mr. Freezy. They're like, nope. What if God gets me to do something I don't want to do? Or surrender something I don't want to surrender. And what I think you're missing out on is like, you have no idea how much God actually wants to bless your life. He wants your life to reflect the Sermon on the Mount that I talked about. The thing that I think all of us would want. How many, how many of us in this room want to have the ability to love our enemy? How many of us in this room want to have a pure heart and live with meekness and humility? How many of us want to be generous people? How many of us want to be salt and light of the earth? How many of us want to have purpose and meaning and destiny? Like the life that Jesus offered in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, all of us want that deep down. That's literally the life that God is offering to us. But we can't do it in and of ourselves. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God puts his presence inside of you. When you believe the Jesus truth, and it enables you to live the Jesus way so you can experience the Jesus life. And it's incredible. But you got to first come to that step of believing the truth. Believing you, you actually can't do it on your own. Access to God and all the blessings he has for you, you've got to stop at Jesus. So have you stopped at Jesus? Do you want to experience the life that Jesus has to offer to you? Because I know I want that for you more than anything. I want every single person in this room to experience the blessing and life that God has. I want you to experience the Spirit of God living inside of you and you sensing for the first time when the Holy Spirit works through you and breathes life to you into someone else. There's nothing that compares to it. There's nothing that compares to the life that Jesus offers. 
But you got to deny that mentality that being a good person is enough. You got to deny that mentality that just believing God is enough, and you have to come to the foot of the cross. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you invited him to come into your life? And do you commit to following the Jesus way? I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. Maybe you're in this room tonight and you've never made that decision to put your faith in Jesus and you feel like, man, I've just always thought I've been good and I've discovered in this room tonight that I'm not. That I actually need to put my faith and trust in Jesus and surrender to him so I can experience the life God has for me. Well, I'm just praying that tonight's your night. I'm going to invite the prayer people to come up at this time, and maybe you need to slip out from your seat in this place tonight and come up to our prayer area. And they would love just to walk you through inviting Christ to come into your life and helping you make the commitment to believe the Jesus truth, to follow the Jesus way so you can experience the Jesus life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And I'm just praying tonight in the name of Jesus that people in this place tonight would experience the Jesus life, that they would come to the Father through Christ and experience the new life that Christ offers to every single person who would believe. Father, forge your spirit in this place. Move in our hearts and our minds and draw us into your presence. If you're here tonight and you've never made the decision to accept Jesus and tonight is your night, I'd encourage you to sip out from your seat, come on up front and pray with these people. They'd love to walk you through inviting Christ to come in. Let's stand to our feet as we worship.